Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Hmm? Ah! Huh. Hey everybody, I'm Reba. And I'm Pink. And this is Strange Indeed, a podcast dedicated to the Netflix show Stranger Things. Today we are covering Season 4, Episode 5, Chapter 5, The Nina Project. Which... Yeah, I, I had no idea what to expect when we were nope. going into this based off of last week. They cleared it up for us pretty quick, so that was good. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. I, their pacing has been really good. I'm glad we didn't have to linger too long and wonder who or what Nina was. Um, yeah. I I thought this was a really good episode. Um, we learned a lot, and I know it was dark, uh, but I, I enjoyed it. I I did like, I, I thought it was fun and th- um, when Owens is taking 11 now, I won't go into a lot of details, but um, I thought it was just kind of fun as, you know, we're out in the middle of the desert. It felt like a lot of Area 51 stuff. <laughs> yeah. <in> <laughs> so that's Classic fun. secret base. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking X, <laughs> X-Files in my, in my brain this whole time um, as they're, as they're driving out there and they get out there to this secret location. It was super fun, fun for me anyway. So... A lot of I thought there was a lot of interesting stuff, um, a lot of traumatic stuff, a lot oh, yeah. of interesting stuff, moving the 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 plot forward. Um, so I really enjoyed it. What what did you think about this week's episode? Um, I enjoyed it a lot more on second watch. First mm-hmm. watch, first watch, I I enjoyed it, but I kind of I felt like eh, it was okay. And then second watch, I caught a lot more things, and the, the emotional beats hit better for me. Mm-hmm. And like I got a little teary at some point, so then I was like, "Okay, no, it's it's affecting me." I think just what it was was it was hard to come off the heels of episode four. Yeah, and then I was like, "You don't you, you don't follow that." Like, how do you how do you follow? So I was like, "So any episode coming after there is going to feel not as Impactful. major because yeah yeah be, because it's just it's it's not episode four, but." But yeah, going in, it's like, no, there's definitely still some really important stories that were told here. Definitely 
some major things that were set up. And then, like I said, I think the emotional beats hit me even harder and I really was able to appreciate them a lot more this second watch. That's good. That's good. You know, I feel, and it's not just Stranger Things, I think, that does it. I think there's a lot of shows that do it. And and a lot of shows that you and I have covered here on the podcast that after such a, an emotional episode that you just really feel kind of emotionally wrung out and you've got nothing left. Typically, mm-hmm. the next episode is a little bit more of a catch your breath, you know, kind yeah. of episode. Kind of lets you in this episode or at least i i felt like um like for our characters um so so yeah i mean i i, I appreciate for it and we'll talk about it let's go ahead and jump into our first point or number five do you want to start us off this week with your first one all right uh, let's see the first point i want to make let's go ahead and just kick it off where the episode kicked it off let's uh, see what the cali boys are up to uh <laughs> Catching right up with them off the heels of this great escape shootout situation they just happened to get out of. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, we're in the car with them. They're flying down the highway. Argyle is freaking out about the man bleeding and dying in the backseat of his pizza car, which, yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah, you know, we got to get him to St. Mary's. I don't think praying is going to help that dude. St. Uh, <laughs> Mary's place. Hospital, you idiot. Uh <laughs> Oh, Argyle. Man, it's just, it, it was, man, Argyle was something else this episode. Uh, but yeah, of course, in the agent, before he dies, he's telling them that they need to warn Owens and that Eleven is in danger. And then he says that, like, Nina is the way to reach them. And so, of course, well, who's Nina? Where's Nina? How do we get a hold of Nina? And he goes, well, here's the number and hands him the pen. And then he dies. And so they have this whole thing. It was like, he didn't get to write down the number, but I did clock even the first watch. He said, here's the number and handed him the pen. I was like, that's yeah. a little odd. Um, <laughs> Not very clear or straightforward at all. Yeah. But yeah, of course, he didn't have time to. Like he didn't say, like, let me write the number. Like, he was very, here's the number was what he, and I did, cl- like I said, I clocked even him using that language. The first one was like, he said, that was the number. I'm like, what? Uh, and then they out, you know, he dies, so they're having to bury him, and Argyle is just losing it. Absolutely losing it. As <laughs> you know, open my mind, there's an open grave right in front of me. Uh, he's wanting to go to the cops and like, he's, it seems like they went ahead and laid the whole super powered girl and upside down dimension and everything on him all at once. And he, uh, he, it's way too much for him to take. I think at one time, uh, which I love Jonathan's able to finally calm him down because it's, it's purple palm tree delight time. That's, that's the answer need here. to go uh, <laughs> mellow, my friend. Yes. <laughs> Which then maybe he gets a little too chilled because now he's wanting to make a headstone for unknown hero, unknown hero agent man, and maybe you know just include all of their names on on this pizza box headstone as well, you know while they're trying to stay hidden from the military that's hunting down L and all everyone connected to her. They're pretty common names, right? Uh, you know, I mean, <laughs> maybe, but Argyle, mm, not so much, right? <laughs> Uh, and that's we have and the pen's not writing and Mike puts it together that oh here's the number wait a minute and he goes out and pulls the piece of paper out of the pen and something fell out of the pen <laughs> uh, and that's the number on there not gonna not gonna do it this week but if you call the number that's on that slip of paper it works they think of those things whenever it's not like a five 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 number then it is gonna go somewhere that is and, just too cool. 
But if you if you call the if you call the number that's on that slip of paper, you're going to get the same computer sounds that they got on the payphone. So that's just I didn't all it even is. Try it. <laughs> so I'm, you, I'm glad you yeah. did. I was like, I just get so swept up that I wasn't even thinking about trying it. So I, I love that you tried it and have confirmed that you're you're going <laughs> to dial Nina. You're you're essentially calling Nina. Yeah, mm-hmm. just dial Nina. Yeah. Uh, and they do find a random payphone in the middle of nowhere somewhere. Is that was that a thing? I mean, like, I, I don't, I can't speak I, about middle of the desert. That desolate of an area. I, I mean, <laughs> anyone who has been out in the middle of the desert and seen a random payphone, please feel free to write in and confirm. I can recall being, you know, back in the day, being of a certain age uh, that payphones were a thing. Whenever I was younger, yes, they were indeed. Uh, sometime in some, you know, they were kind of everywhere. Um, but I don't know about the middle of the desert. I cannot mm-hmm. confirm that. Yeah, that was it a was lucky, a lucky find. find. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, but they do call that number, and yeah, it's that computer feedback signal. So they decide they're going to need to go to Susie for help on the computer Yay. hacking. Will gets his little musical moment with that idea, and then they're off for Salt Lake City, and that's where we leave them. I feel like most all of my points are kind of just like bookend, like talking about like, here's the stories that happened to this episode are kind of where I'm at on my points this week. But yeah, so it's like, there's, there's what we got I with them. It. And I liked it. I love so. that they were able to connect the dots. I, I love getting to see them figure things out uh, here on the show. It's, it's super fun. Yeah. It's super fun for me because I like, I like puzzles. I like, riddles i'm not great at riddles but i like them uh so <laughs> not very good at them but i but i do like puzzles those were always some of my favorite video games uh were the puzzle type video games like resident evil and tomb raider i mean alone it's not the only reason they're mm-hmm. just really great video games but like being able or like having to like solve puzzles or to find pieces to like solve a puzzle and yeah. you know putting it all together to solve something to get to the next step or the next level or something is always one of my favorite parts of those type video games yeah, the Uncharted, Uncharted games yeah, had a lot of that. Uh, Resident Evil, Tomb Raider, all my favorites because you had to mm-hmm. kind of you had to go look for a certain piece and well, what's this piece? Well, there's something that connects to it, you know. It's and and you got to go find it. And you got to put this solve this puzzle to get to that other piece and just totally my thing. So yeah. this this show <laughs> definitely checks that box for me. Um, you know, um, and you know, all these kids are so smart and nerdy that it just it makes sense that they would be smart enough to figure these things out so that was really fun and i had it in my um just mm-hmm. in my notes as a mention um they mentioned uh war games the movie when they called did you have you seen yeah. that movie uh-huh. it's it's old i actually have not seen it uh, i know what it is i have not seen it i know matthew yeah. broderick uh, <laughs> ali sheedy right i think um, I know Matt. No, wait a minute. Maybe that's wrong. Matthew Broderick. I don't know why I was thinking Ali Sheedy. I don't know if that's right or not. Yeah, I know like um, classic '80s movies are are pretty hit or miss for me on yeah, whether well, I've seen them or not. Like, know all the references. The pop culture is there, but like whether I've taken the time to watch all of them, it's like fifty fifty whether I have yeah, or not. Well, on a it lot is. Of the, I was right. It's classics. Ali Sheedy. Um, well, I mean, the movie's from nineteen eighty three, um, and so you know. Mm. essentially i don't know if it's a spoiler or not again i don't know what the uh, threshold for spoilers are um but the the mention the uh, description on imdb says a young man finds a back door into a military central computer in which re- reality is confused with game playing possibly starting world war three 
Um, so go go watch that, um, if you will. There is a computer in that na- in that movie named Joshua, and when that's when they were referencing that in here in the show was um, them calling Nina calling a computer. So I, I love that they made that connection though, um, yeah. and I love Susie. I thought she was just absolutely adorable, and I'm happy that we're going to get her back. I think she is super smart. Like I said, she saved the world last season. Um, Mm -hmm. Under duress that she had to do a song song and dance number first. Well, she's not going to give up (laughs) unless you give her a little song, you know. So, you you got to earn it. (laughs) Anyway, I'm excited to, uh, to, to see her again good way to start it out um well my first point that i want to talk about um kind of leading up to that as we're talking about the nina project and where ella's going um it you know i was a a few episodes back was really uh bragging on dr owens (laughs) he's a good guy (laughs) he cares about l and damn it he he kept the secret that he was working with Papa, Dr. Brenner. Yeah, that was, man. Yeah, I, I could definitely see that moment. Like, I mean, there's, you can see when, when Brenner shows up and Elle has that reaction, she has. But I do like that they show Owen's face for a little bit. Like, you can see in his face, this was the moment he was dreading was when she had to, to come to this realization that Brenner was there too. And I, I didn't know how to feel. I was like, well, do I trust Brenner is like being a good guy and finally, you know, he's doing the right thing. But I'm also like, but but I'm, I'm pissed at Owens because that's he broke that trust with Eleven by not telling her that he was involved, although she would have never gone for it it's, if she knew he was. It's a tough situation. I do feel that it was a, a, a bit of a dick move for Dr. Owens to not try to prepare her in some way. Again, I agree with you. I think if he had told her straight up that she would have said, "Uh uh-uh, I'm out of here. No way. Regardless Mm -hmm. of the, the, the risk. But, and, and I understand the stakes, you know, shit is getting real and they need 11, you know, with, with her powers. Like they, they've got to get her powers back. Um, but giving her back to the man that abused her and making her relive all of that trauma that she went through, that's awful. And that was tough to watch. you know. And I mm-hmm. get that also Dr. Owens, he needs Brenner. Brenner has the story of Eleven. He knows what she can do. He knows what she's capable of. And I think that he has some key information uh, on how to unlock whatever it is that is like blocking I don't quite understand yet about her powers just yet but like if there's something blocking her or how does she get them back he has he has something um that there that can help solve that and for her to get her powers back and I think they're definitely on the right track considering where we uh ended up there in the end of the episode which I won't talk about just yet but I'm like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling. So I'm like, I, you know, I feel like I want to trust Dr. Owens. I do feel like he does have Eleven's best interests at heart. Like he was definitely concerned for her. Like, man, we shouldn't have just thrown her in like this, you know, as she's already in uh, Nina and she's hooked up and she's reliving these memories 
uh, he's like, you know, we shouldn't have done this. We should have, you know, kind of prepared her or talked to her about what we were going to do first. And instead, they just kind of shot her with that drug, knocked her out, and then throw her threw her in there. And that's where she wakes up, where she wakes up in that memory. Um, and then he, you know, mm-hmm. seems to have true concern for her. Like, you know, we need to we need to help her. You know, um, you know, she's going to drown in there. And Brenner's like, nope, she's going to swim. I mean, Brenner's right. I think he knows what Eleven is capable of. And so, I don't know. I get why Owens yeah. got Brenner involved. I still don't know how the hell he survived the Demogorgon from season one. How'd that dude survive? <laughs> I mean, did right. we not see him get, like, chomped on or or dragged by the Demogorgon? I remember he, like, just got chomped on or something, and he did, he was just kind of gone. And I think the Demogorgon then moved on to the mm-hmm. rest of the soldiers there in the school um, there at the end of season one. But... I don't know how the hell he survived that. I don't know if we'll, if we'll find out or if it even matters. Right. But so I don't know. That was mm-hmm. that was hard. Um, I mean, we'll have more to talk about. I'm going to have more to talk about as we're um, talking more about our points and, and what what's happening while Eleven is in this memory. Um, but I don't know. That was tough to see um, pop it back and to have to see Eleven yeah. go through what she was going through. Sad. Uh, what's your next mm-hmm. point? All right. Well, you know, while, while we're on that subject and you say, you know, we'll talk about that more. Let's go ahead and talk about it. Uh, I'll go ahead, you know, have just, you know, the Nina project, project Nina, the, the whole thing, uh, which uh, we, you talked about a little bit off the top, you know, it's just like located way out in the desert It's underground. There's like this little door and stairway, which is actually like a really cool, you know, it's a very small, Mm-hmm. area a little small thing that if you know the entrances but then everything's underground it's this uh old icbm silo that they've repurposed into a lab a lot like the original hawkins lab with 11 as their focus of course and it's a big deal that she's finally here you know, he says she's kind <laughs> of you know this a celebrity around here everybody's kind of looking at her this this is all mm-hmm. built for her and her powers and this was the plan she was like man as much of a like <laughs> revered celebrity down here she is those guards were still real jerks to her uh yeah, go back and be play nice with so the doctor nice. and you know and it's like um okay no uh but yeah I, I do wonder though uh when they pulled up to that entrance to the nina lab it I, I wonder if there's any real major significance to them pointing out that that was 12 hours before the agent died on Will and Mike and Jonathan in the pizza van. And then like the military were searching the house because we got the opening scenes. And then whenever they're pulling up to the Nina right, base, 12 hours, it says yeah, 12 hours earlier. Point. And I was like, I wonder if there's any significance to that. Like if that really will matter with the time frame of something and maybe the that's next a good point. I, I saw that, but I just kind of forgot about it as the episode went on. So you're, I think you're probably right. Maybe yeah. we'll know in the next episode or next couple of episodes, how that's going to affect the timeline, knowing that that was 12 hours previous. Hmm. Good. Thanks yeah. for pointing that out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, we talked about Brenner and that reaction there, but then yeah, 11 waking up in quotations because uh, she's back in the Hawkins lab, lab gown on hair shaved down short, which then I was really sad to see that, you know, I was like, Oh, maybe that's just part of the memory. But then when she does escape at the end of the episode, I was like, Oh no, they really did cut her hair again. Poor Millie Bobby Brown. Um, <laughs> unless it's just like a head cap, like a hair cap thing that she's doing and they just made it really, you know, the makeup job is really good. 
Because I don't think she was a huge fan of having to cut her hair for season one. She did it because it's a role of a lifetime. Not that she knew it would be at that point. I but don't, I, I don't know. I'm pretty <laughs> sure that it was a, um, a wig that they had put on her, yeah. I think, for this show. Now, because I know that they didn't cut her hair in, in real life again. I mean, you know how long it takes to grow yeah. that shit back out, man? Hell no. I wouldn't blame her at all right. if I wanted to do that a second time. Yeah, because I know, yeah, they they cut it in season one. Yeah. When, you know, that was for real. And, you know, I've seen interviews and stuff about it. But, yeah, when I saw it this time, I was like, oh, they cut her hair again. I was like, they didn't do that to Millie. No, but I wonder if they would do do that again. Uh, The show, (laughs) like you said, to play up. I thought it was a part of the memory too. And my heart broke for her when she felt her hair and Mm -hmm. she saw herself in the hospital gown in that bed and she started crying. I was like, Oh my God, this, this kid, she Mm -hmm. has been through enough shit. I mean, that is pure nightmare. That is her worst fear is being back in that area that, situation away from everything that she's learned to kind of get used to and love and and now she's back in this horrible place and yeah so she's kind of walking around and everything is just you know she's looking at the halls and the rooms the main room with all the other kids like she's back in hawkins and it doesn't take her too long to realize something's up because she's Mm -hmm. in this loop with the orderly is there which uh jamie campbell bauer Mm -hmm. uh cool to see um yeah, and so he keeps showing up, and it's this like dream memory loop that she's going through, and she's having a real not good time there. Uh, and that's when I guess Brenner is able to connect with her like telepathically, or like the mind waves, where she, he can hear her speaking while he she's in there, and then he can speak to her through this uh, loudspeaker. And that's where we get the background of Nina, the project Nina, uh, named after the opera. Nina is this woman facing traumatic memories that are buried deep that need to come to light for her to move on. And that's what they're wanting from Eleven is they need her to do the same thing, that she is in some kind of dark traumatic memory that she has to remember what, like she has to figure out what she's supposed to remember and then play it back out and pull these traumatic memories back to light, has to relive it, whatever it was. Uh, And so she kind of, reverts back to that younger self and she's trying to really think, okay, what happened? Who, you know, what was going on? What was I saying? What was I doing? And I think it's cool. Like within the reflections or in certain memory shots, having the young 11, which was a really cool creative idea for them to, it was like mixing a a young actress. I'd seen the name of her before. I didn't write it down here. I wish I did. Um, Who was, I guess, supplying like the body Mm -hmm. and voice. And then they kind of did that like CGI deep fake thing with like a, the young Millie Bobby yeah. Brown from season one face over her. It's kind of a, a you know, de-aged Millie Bobby Brown. So it was a kind of combination of a real life actress and then this like deep fake thing, which looked a little rough at times. It's the uncanny, uncanny Valley thing. It gets to you after a while sometimes in some sh- like angles and shots. But but overall, I, I enjoy what they went for and what they did there. Me too. Uh yeah, and so she's going through these like tests with the other <laughs> subjects, kids, Papa's other children. And you see that she was kind of the black sheep even in this <laughs> you know, lab full of superpowered test subject kids where she's struggling with her powers and she's kind of they're all laughing at her and she's kind of the joke and doesn't really get along with anybody and that adds to this trauma. And then 
we see a lot of uh, interactions with this orderly that Bauer plays, uh, which he's new, obviously played a very big part in her past, but this is the first Mm -hmm. time we're seeing him. So we'll see what kind of importance he holds in the future. But yeah, she's struggling. The kids are laughing at her. Brenner's even telling her they're laughing at you. They think you're weak. You know, you have to show them. And then it just kind of cuts to there's blood all over her hands. She goes back out in the halls and all of the, you know, people, the bodies are Vecna-ized. Uh, <laughs> yes, they are, you know, as we've kind of grown to see in the very opening of season or episode one. And then what we've seen what's happening. So we know that connection is still here. But again, she missed it and we're still missing it. What actually happened what was that connecting piece what is the trauma that she buried what happened and that's what we're still trying to figure out (laughs) and yeah it's a lot for her they end up owens says they got to pull her out they pull her out she wakes up tries to run but then when the guards try to constrain her again she realizes she does have her powers back very uh (laughs) temporarily but something's working. Progress is being made, and cautiously, when made given that choice, she decides to trust Brenner and and continue the work because she does see, okay, maybe this is actually doing something, which has to be a huge thing for her. But you know, we've got to see what this trauma is, and I think she's terrified, but but willing at where we leave her here. I. I agree with with so much of that. Uh, I I agree. I think that it certainly has something to do with eleven suppressing details of an important memory, and that's what they're trying to dig at too. And that's yeah. of course, you know, where Nina comes in, where they're trying to help her access those memories and help eleven figure out whatever it is to help get her powers back. Clearly they are on the right path considering what we saw uh, there at the end. Um, And I don't know, like I said, I think it was, this is one of obviously one of my points too. I mean, such a big part of the episode that um, I'll just, I'll make up my next point. Yeah. Uh, But again, I, you know how traumatic it would be for her to wake up. Like I was talking about a while ago to think that she's back in the lab. She didn't know, what was happening to her when she, cause they, they stuck her with that sedative and she was asleep and then she wakes up and her head is shaved. Yeah. She recognizes her old room from the lab. She sees herself in the hospital gown in the bed and she starts crying. I mean, I'm just all of the sympathy, you know, I'm like crying right along with Ev- 11. I'm just thinking, my gosh, to think that you're back here again. Um, but then, of course, she realizes eventually, you know, that it's not real and that, you know, Brenner tell, tells her it's not real, that she's in a memory. So I think then she starts to feel a little bit safer. I think she still obviously wants out. She screams, I want out, I want out. He keeps her there. And again, just making her relive this trauma over and over again. So it's it's hard to have to make her go through this, I think, to, to dig at whatever it is. But again, it, apparently this is the only way that she's going to be able to, to get through her trauma and or to and to figure out how to get her powers back is to go go through all this trauma. Uh, so yeah, all the all the mm-hmm. empathy to eleven. Um, so my main part of this point is this orderly guy. <laughs> I don't trust the guy. There's something about him. He's <laughs> giving me a vibe, and. He is he does have this creepy <laughs> vibe going on. I can't I can't put my finger on it. I think he's somehow connected to what's going on. Somehow. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a lot of theories, and I think I'm bonkers <laughs> for thinking it. I'm just like, gosh, <laughs> people knew what you were thinking. It, it just shut up, Raymond. You don't know what you're talking about. But I want to talk a little bit about what we saw in season, or I keep saying season, I mean episode one in the flashback because we get that flashback again Mm -hmm. or 11 relives that flashback. Like you said, when she sees the blood on her hands and the kids and the people in the lab and what happened to them. And I'm even more convinced. I think I mentioned it when we covered episode one, but I'm even more convinced that Vecna was responsible for what happened at the Hawkins lab in that flashback and not 11. Mm -hmm. The little kids were. Yeah. Well, (laughs) the way that the bodies look, would would definitely yeah. lead I mean, that direction. The, yeah. the, the people that worked at the lab, they were dead, but they didn't seem to be in the same state. They just looked like they had been killed. But the kids were in the same kind of condition mm-hmm. as Fechna's other victims. They had twisted yeah. limbs. Their eyes were missing and bleeding. And then in this episode, and I'll talk a little bit about it, the crack in the ceiling at Eddie's uncle's house you know, they were studying that. The I don't can't remember mm-hmm. their names, but the people working with Dr. Owens were studying it. And that crack yeah. is like the same as in the flashback when Brenner finds Eleven in that room, the mirror or whatever that was shattered and that goes into the next room, that crack in the wall. Oh, yeah. In episode one, episode one is the same like crack in the Ah, ceiling of Eddie's house where Chrissy died. Ooh, Um, yeah, that's a nice catch. (laughs) I didn't really. Eleven was facing it. Remember, she had her back to the door. Brenner comes in, and she was facing that crack, and she had blood coming out of her Mm -hmm. nose, which we've seen countless times. I'm assuming she had used her powers and she had blood coming out of her eyes. Um, Now, I mean, she had her eyes, but she had like blood running from her eyes. And so I, I wonder if whomever was responsible, which I think Vecna was responsible for the kids' death based on how they died and how we've seen his other victims that he tried to do the same to 11, but she was stronger than him. She was able to defeat him. Um, yeah. So, like, whatever had happened, whatever what whatever it was that Brenner had walked in on, whatever had just happened, and when L- Eleven turned around to face him, did did she? Because there's the crack in the wall. Did she send Vecna or whoever it was back to where they came from? Did she banish them somehow for the first time? Like, did she, is that how she got rid of them was by opening up this gate or something to banish them? Yeah, uh, that's, that's kind of what I'm thinking is maybe Vecna. Yeah, Vecna is where he is now because of Eleven all that's those years ago. That's what I was ago. thinking, yes. Uh, that it doesn't add up exactly still to what happened between the 50s and then, but uh, hopefully we get answers on those things. But but maybe, you know, if Vecna is responsible for this situation if she sent him back. Because that would explain, because in season one, when she knows how to take care of the Demogorgon, she seemed to know what she needed to do, going all the way back to season one. So it might not be her first time of banishing something away through the Upside Down. Right. 
and also, again, I have just connections. I, I, I don't know where the hell anything is leading and I don't really have anything figured out. Um, the tra- <laughs> there's a transition scene when Max and Lucas are in the Creel house and the lights start to flicker. And Max is like, hey, I'm sorry to keep asking yeah. this, but do you see that? And they start to kind of follow the lights. It then transitions to back to the Hawkins lab where the lights are flickering where the kids are being tested so there's a Mm -hmm. connection there with is like that the origin of the lights flickering and and being related to the upside down when we know that there's activity coming from when they're close to someone from like it happened in you know because they mentioned oh it's like the christmas lights um you know when when will was was trapped um and they they can kind of use that um so i wonder if is that like an origin kind of thing i don't know and brenner told 11 that her powers were stolen stolen i feel like that's key who stole Mm -hmm. them um and is that what happened in the lab at hawkins is that what happened to those kids did 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 i'm i don't know i'm gonna say vecna steal the kids' powers like he killed he killed I hate saying that he he killed them to to steal them, and like what he's doing now with Chrissy, Fred, Patrick is, and how he's kind of feeding off of them is that just to help him kind of sustain his power, help build up his strength or something, so he can cross over to get to our side and to to get away from the upside down, like to get to the other side of the gate or something to to cro- cross that threshold. I don't know. And it has something to do with this freaking orderly. I, <laughs> I'm i freaking convinced. <laughs> I don't trust him. Don't well, trust him. Okay. Not for a second. <laughs> because this orderly... Uh-huh. Okay, 1959, the Creels bought that house, according to Victor Creel. I don't know how old mm-hmm. Henry, his son, was. Because remember I mentioned uh, in, in last week's episode when we were... Because we finally got the flashback and we got to see kind of what happened and... and I have just red flags all over this Henry kid. They said he died. Victor Creel was told that he died, that he went into a coma, and then a week later, he died. Okay, so we think he's dead. We're told he's dead. 1959, Creel's bought the house. I don't know how old he was, Henry, between what, ages of 8 and 10? In the flashbacks, it's 1979. Mm. So it's, it's... 20 years later yeah so if you say he's seven or eight even nine he'd be what 20 between 27 and 29 that kind of fits a little bit of that yeah. age right of that orderly mm-hmm. i don't yeah. know it's hard I, I suck at ages i can never guess a person's age i totally suck at that so i could be wrong <laughs> so i wonder if they Somehow Brenner or someone at the Hawkins lab got Henry and took him and wrote him off as that he was dead because that's what he did with Eleven's mom with Terry Ivers. You know, they she gave birth to Eleven and they told her that Eleven didn't make it and told everyone else that she was dead. They told Eleven or, you know, Eleven was dead or, well, I mean, she wasn't Eleven to them. She was Jane. Jane. Yeah. Uh, But said that she, she had died. 
so that way she could, you know, they could keep her prisoner there at the lab and run all these experiments. Is it too far fetched to think that they could have done the same thing with Henry? I would say no. Yeah, <laughs> it's a good theory. I didn't expect really. I mean, for you to like have the answer to that, I'm just <laughs> yeah. throwing this out into yeah, the void. I've only seen what I've seen, but yeah. Well, uh, me too. But I, I'm just like I, I have all of these like ping, ping, ping red flags flowing out, and I'm just like I don't know what to do with them. I think I'm, I think I'm all over the place with it. So sorry, listeners. I had to kind of spiel that out. <laughs> to talk to somebody about these things <laughs> you guys are my people <laughs> so i don't know what any of that means i just feel like i have to to put it out there and then i don't know we'll see what comes back as as yeah. we watch the next couple of episodes because this was episode five we have two more and of course by the time we get to these two the the new one's going to be up uh, or the last two are going to be out and, and up for everyone to watch. So, um, you know, but anyway, so we're, we're getting close to hopefully getting some of this figured out and hopefully getting yeah. some more answers. In fact, just a bit of news, I, I guess I saw it all over social media today as I was just going through a few things. I guess they released the trailer for the last two episodes. Yes. I did. So, I, I say I see that. I saw that. I didn't watch I didn't, it. I didn't oh watch my the trailer. God, no. But I saw that it was released today. Yes. I know. Because I was like, wait, not more Stranger Things. Because it's kind of slowed down a little bit as far as, I mean, still super dangerous. I, I can barely even post um, things on Twitter or like for the podcast or even on Instagram, like letting everyone know that our episode is up or whatever without mm-hmm. potentially seeing something. It's freaking bananas, um, all the stuff that's still out there. But I thought it was slowing down a little bit. But I did happen to see that as I was scrolling through that there's a new trailer. So if you guys have already watched up to episode seven and you want to watch the trailer, that's fine. Even once we're caught up, I'm definitely not going to watch because I like to be surprised. Nah. So just for everyone's exactly. FYI. Um, so yeah, like I said, I don't know. I'm just throwing stuff out into the void. I don't know what any of it means. I just feel like there's connections there. I just don't know what they mean yet. Um, what is your, are we on three? Next yeah, point? Yeah. We're going to count down those. Uh, this one, uh, sounds like the new, uh, slasher hit of the summer. Uh, Jason versus Eddie. Um, <laughs> oh, I like it. <laughs> That's a really good tie-in. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, just that little, it's a smaller storyline again, but just catching up on where we're at with that. As we see Eddie running low on food, so he's contacting... Uh, he gets a hold of Nancy, but he's just trying to get a hold of Dustin and everybody else over there because mm-hmm. uh, he needs food. They so he's been sneaking guy. over. <laughs> yeah. So he's been sneaking over to the main house, over into Rick's house for some provision, getting like some soup and SpaghettiOs and whatever else he can find over there. And of course, then there's some fishermen out on the water that see the activity in the house and they think Rick is out of jail, which I guess people around town talk. So that gets back to Jason through that other kid, which I thought was kind of funny that he's like, that one kid's just like, well, Reefer Rick is his supplier, and it sounds like he's back from jail. So maybe I was like, how do you know that? That's a little I sus, know. right? Um, <laughs> Thank you. I had that written down too. I'm like, how did that one kid know Reefer Rick was Eddie's supplier? Is this just a known thing? Right. Or, I mean, don't right. you think Rick or Eddie might want that kept on the DL? Why would that? Exactly. He spouted it like it was common knowledge. I mean, I don't right. know. It's bizarre. It's like, how do you know that? Is he yours too? Is that why? Yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> I'm watching you. Uh, 
But yeah, uh, so then we kind of see Jason there at Chrissy's funeral, uh, which Jason's getting all fired up because Chrissy's mom is frustrated about the whole, you know, the monster that killed her is still out there, which, yeah, that's true. But they're looking at it in a different way. She's Mm -hmm. thinking it's a person. Jason's thinking specifically it's Eddie. Uh, So he's getting fired up, kind of still that hunt for Eddie still really on his mind. Patrick's a little sidetracked at the funeral by all the clocks that Vecna is making appear for him in the closets and other rooms. Uh, so he is definitely next on the curse list. We've been, you know, wondering about that. We were like, so, you know, we saw a little bit where he was getting into his mind. And in this episode, we see him kind of doing the same things. just appearing to him, giving him these hallucinations, these visions. So, yeah, uh, definitely next. Yeah. Uh, Jason, I guess, bullied the poor uh, yearbook compiling kid uh to get photos for the yearbook for the club club photos uh where they have the hellfire club photo that was going in the yearbook when they realized that lucas was definitely part of that group deduce that like well i guess you know if lucas was part of that and he deliberately misled us that the club is hiding eddie which i mean they're kind of on but not really it's not really the club it's like just dustin and lucas and none of the other guys have any idea what's going on right. but jason's gonna plan on hunting down every last one of them to get his answers and i can see him going too far uh you know we'll see what happens with these other poor D players who have nothing connected to anything and just want to live their lives they just want to live their poor lives nerds. man play their music play uh, their game yeah right and and then Patrick, because he's been seeing these hallucinations from Vecna, is like worried that Eddie and the Lucas did something to him. They're like, "Oh my God, were we cursed?" And the other guys just kind of laugh him off. And they're like, "Oh, he thinks he's cursed." Uh, which, yeah, uh, just wasn't them that did it. And then yeah, the, the one kid knowing all about the supply chain of Reaper <laughs> Rick for some reason. Um, <laughs> it's a little funny. Sheesh. But yeah, they go off of that lead and Jason and Patrick and the other guy whose name I still don't remember uh, (laughs) show up over at Reefer Rick's house and they're searching the house for a very long time. That must have been the most thorough search that mankind has ever known because like they got there during the daytime and Eddie's been hiding out and it's like it's not until like well after dark that they even like oh there's a boathouse over there like they're looking under mattresses and it's like they had a search <laughs> warrant <laughs> they were busting the whole place up right. Jeez. it's like man uh, being very thorough and then of course Eddie's trying to get in touch with the group but he can't because Steve dropped the backpack in the middle of the floor on the first floor of the house and they took off so <laughs> can't get a hold of anybody and then Jason finally decides to go look in the boathouse um uh, before he gets down there, Eddie tries to make his escape out on the water. Boat engine won't start, so he's going to get to paddling. And eventually has uh, Patrick and Jason swimming behind him, which, you know, maybe they should be stars of the swimming team instead of the basketball team, because that is impressive that they caught up with that boat paddling that fast. Uh- <laughs> Dude, that was some impressive swimming, honestly. Yeah. yeah. He's on the uh-huh. wrong team. Right. Which, of course, ends in tragedy when Patrick then comes to his end, meets Vecna face-to-face in his own little dream world. I'm sure we don't see it, but we know how that goes. And we just get it from the view of Eddie and Jason, which, you know, Vecna kills Patrick, which, again, I mean, you talked about Vecna getting power from these kills. I think it does lead to something. I mean, even now, he's getting some kind of power 
because we see on the other side, we'll talk about that stuff a little later, but I mean, the lights blow out and everything. I mean, there is a strong power with what he's doing for sure. Um, but yeah, Patrick is Vecna, uh, <laughs> which, you know, <laughs> Jason sees it happen. Uh, poor Eddie has to see it happen again. Right. And it's just, and, and then, you know, Jason's going to see that and somehow going to assume that Eddie use some kind of Satan powers or something to make this happen. Right. Like you would think like he'd see this and be like, Oh, you had nothing to do with that Eddie, but no, Jason's probably just so caught up in all of it. He's going to be like, what kind of witchcraft is this? Like, yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, I'm with you. This is one of my points too. So I'll just chat, um, chat about my thoughts <laughs> too. Uh, you would think that, okay, Eddie's in the boat, Patrick is her. I mean, he's he's one kind of dunked, right? He gets like pulled under, and then he shoots up out of the water, and then the terrible thing happens to him. You would think, oh, Eddie's in the boat. How could he have possibly been responsible for that? That Jason might come to his senses because he said before, like, I don't believe in any of that supernatural crap. Well, it just happened in yeah. front of you. Uh, so either you mm-hmm. believe in that or you're somehow going to believe. I think he's somehow still going to find a way to blame it on Eddie, too. I'm kind of with you that like yeah. it literally like you saw he, he could have at least physically done done that to Patrick. But I think he's going to at least still somehow believe in like a curse or something. I don't know. I still don't think it's going to be enough for him to to believe like, oh, wait, Eddie couldn't have done that or been responsible for it and, and think that they, they're on like the wrong path of what's truly happening anyway so so yeah this jason guy is getting way too much of my screen time you know (laughs) i love i love eddie i think he's cool he's definitely growing on me you know i really do feel for the guy i just want him to be happy like you said this is twice now he's had to witness vecna attacking someone that's freaking traumatic i'm feeling for the guy and eddie's a good guy i want the best for him you know he he was he's decent you know he went out of his way to make chrissy feel safe when she was with him, he didn't try to take advantage of her, you know, when she was being really vulnerable and stuff. And he's a good guy and he's just definitely kind of caught up in all of this. And I feel really bad. He's having to, he's being chased down like a freaking evil monster. Um, people thinking that he's responsible for that. And then he's had to see that for a second time. Um, but yeah, I don't know. This Jason guy's taking up too much of my time. And uh, I don't <laughs> think for one bit he's going to, be like, oh gosh, Eddie, I'm so sorry, I was wrong. <laughs> I don't think that at all. <laughs> no, I think he's all caught up in his own theories and hunt at this point. That I think he's yeah, kind of feeling the power as, a little bit. Yeah, as as crazy as it's going to sound, it makes no sense. He's going to find a way to be like, nope, Eddie did this somehow, and I'm going to figure out how. Yeah, I agree. That's how I feel about it. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. Yeah, I I think I think he's kind of enjoying. I mean, I don't know. I do think it started with him because Chrissy was his girlfriend and I think he, he it started out truthfully him wanting to, to find out what happened to her. But now I think he's on this power trip a little bit. So, and I think he's going to end up yeah. really hurting someone because mm-hmm. he's kind yeah, he's of spinning out a little bit. Hunt down. Yeah. yeah. So he's still planning on hunting down the rest of the Hellfire Club even after he's found Eddie. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, yeah, or if he happens to run into uh, into Dustin or Lucas while they're out running around and whatever it is that they're doing, yeah. as whatever happens next after they leave the Krill's house, I don't know. But if they happen to actually run into each other, uh, I'm afraid 
I'm afraid due to spiraling. Well, Eddie was my point as well. So you want to go ahead and just jump into your next one. All right. Um, this is probably one of yours too. That's uh, okay. But we we got to talk about Hopper. Yeah, we do. Gotta. <laughs> Man, uh, we pick up with he is in a much more high security prison than previously. Um, kind of just being tortured, not to be killed. There's a line that really stuck with me. The 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 guy, kind of like head guard or you know captain or whatever, that was like, you know, he is not yours to kill. He's not ours to kill. And it's like. Well, you know, so maybe his death is planned to be someone or something else's. Uh, you know, it will be at someone else's hands or claws or whatever, you know. Uh, <laughs> whatever, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. and he sees uh, Antonov, or Enzo, is in prison with him, which yeah, could be good or bad, depending on how you look at it. You know, like, oh, a familiar face who was trying to help me, or like, oh, my God, this guy again. Which way do you want to go with it? Uh because at first he's very pissed off at him, but then he realizes, I mean, clearly Enzo didn't plan on being put in prison. So he was trying to help him. They were both betrayed. Yeah. Uh, so he's more worried about Joyce and what Joyce has been put through. Uh, which uh, they then focus a lot when he's being dragged through or while him and Antonov are talking. They focus on this big door that looks like. You know, it's in some kind of open yard or arena, you know, mm-hmm. and there's like, you know, they focus on like a bloody mace laying on the ground. And then later there's just a full on severed hand. Uh, and it makes me come back to think about that guy saying he's not yours to kill. And I was like, man, uh, is this like a gladiator type situation set up? Are they having people fight each other or or Fight something else. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, Antonov mentioned something about hearing these rumors about a monster that was brought over. And I do remember seeing, and I think it was this same location at the end of season three in that little stinger. Yeah. They had a demodog. They did. <laughs> Which may be a full on demogorgon at this point. Uh, so we've seen that. Um, so is that what they're doing? Do they just have like a full on demogorgon there and they're making people quote unquote fight it? Because they don't have a chance. But like... What's what's the game here? What are they doing? I think um, so. exactly what you said. I mean, I don't know if it's just to feed it or yeah, to fight it or what the purpose is, but I think you're spot on. I had that too, that I think the Demogorgon yeah. that we saw in the season three finale, pretty sure that is that location. Yeah. So yeah, there's there's something uh not good gonna happen there if they don't if, yeah. if, if Hopper doesn't find a way to get out. So I'm interested to see where that goes. And then, of course, the other side of the the hopper point is him and his conversation with Antonov. Yeah. Which, you know, of course, Antonov's first trying his cunning ways on another guard and Hopper's just not playing along. And we realize Hopper's in a really dark place right now. He feels like he's been nothing but trouble for Joyce. Uh, He tells him the story of being drafted into the war and working on all these chemical weapons and how the side effects of all this exposure to these weapons then created health problems for those that were with him and or their children that were born after and even is still blaming himself in that situation for sarah's death this many years later saying that that probably was the cause of her death and so he says he feels cursed and uh reliving the scenes of him with uh, sarah where 
really emotional. Definitely cried watching oh those. Those hit me a lot. Mm-hmm. From playing in the park to her passing away in the hospital and everything between. And it was just like seeing those again because I think they just reused some of the shots from uh, the last season or whatever when he was talking about her. I think they did. Um, yeah. But even just re-seeing it again, I was like, oh, God, thank- why are you going to do this to me? It's hitting me. But then what really hit me hard, of course, is the the speech that he gives at the end of that bit with, with to Antonov where he says, you know, he was deep in drugs and drinking. And then there was this whole new life that he found with Joyce and Eleven kind of coming into his world. And so I, I quoted what he said. He says, I told myself they needed me, but that wasn't true. That's a lie. They didn't need me. I needed them. I needed them. And so now he's blaming himself for this need of them being the reason that Joyce has now found herself in possible mortal danger. And he's even still blaming himself for his attachment to wanting a family is the reason that Sarah died. And he's just really beating himself up and where he ends it with everyone I love, I hurt. See, I was wrong this whole time. I wasn't cursed. I am the curse. And Water just works. broke me. <laughs> Water works. Was hard. Yeah. It, it you know talking about eleven going having to go through and relive her trauma and you kind of see it with Hopper too. So so many yeah. feelings and traumatic experiences being shared throughout the the, the season, but especially in this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was. Yeah. That monologue was so heartbreaking. You know all the trauma that he's been through, and not just after the war, but the war itself. I mean. I don't know yeah. if, you, if any of our listeners, you know, have heard the stories or have have a relative that has been through the Vietnam War. I have a relative, and I've only heard maybe one story in my many many years because he does not like to talk about it at all. It's that bad, but I do know that he was exposed to Agent Orange uh, and has suffered health effects because of it and I, I looked it up. I knew that it could certainly affect the people directly exposed to it. I wasn't aware that people that At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. We're exposed to it, that it could actually affect their offspring and that there could be like genetic conditions, you know, that could be as a result of being exposed to that. And I looked it up and it's, it's a fact. You can, you can look it up. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's, plenty of you know uh, studies out there so feel free to do do your own i'm not going to provide them but they're out there but it was so i mean that was you know just the atrocities alone that came with being in war that's traumatic but then to have that guilt uh, of him thinking that he is you know and he could have maybe but to think that he caused his daughter's cancer and that she suffered because of it like he's responsible knowing that he could potentially pass something along to her and he takes the risk and then that that thing comes to become a fact and that she suffers because of it i mean it's 
freaking horrible. And I'm so sad for Hopper. I just want him to be happy. But I swear the show doesn't want anyone to be happy. Bob was the only real happy person on the show. And look what happened to him. Um, So (laughs) (laughs) I know RIP Bob. We all don't want to have to go back and think about Bob. But for real, it's 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 so hard. And I don't know. Yeah, I'm. I'm really worried about what's coming next. I think you're right. I think there's a Demogorgon involved in this. This was, seems like an area of the prison we haven't seen before. I know when they were, because I was like, I don't remember seeing these cells uh, here before. Um, so, and and then, yeah, the doors, We I think we heard the screech Demogorgon. Yeah. So I feel like. It's like a snarling sound in the captions. <laughs> yes. It's, it's all too familiar. So, familiar is yeah. all that I could hear. It was, yep, that's familiar. I don't know. I'm I'm pretty mm-hmm. predicting a massive prison break in an upcoming episode. I, I don't think it's going to be just yeah, Hopper. The, the, I think it's going to be a massive prison break on a big scale for this. Right. Where he's able to escape just throughout a bunch of chaos. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't want to say there's wheels spinning because there's definitely still a lot of story and character, like rich character stuff that is being told here. Yeah. But it is kind of getting to that point where I'm like, all right, I am a little tired of seeing Hopper in Russia, let's get him moving now. Like he's been through a lot and that's what made this one so heartbreaking to see that really depressive, you know, dark place he was in knowing just like last week we were talking about what a badass, you know, he, the ankle injury and, and planning this escape and knowing it's a risk that he's, he's so strong, his strength, his bravery. That's what we really wanted to talk about. It was like, look how strong of a person he is. Yeah. Look what he's and then overcome. to go to this episode and be like, Oh, he's not strong right now. He's finally hit that breaking point. I know. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, to to see him back in this dark place. And to, you know, we got to see such an evolution with Hopper from season one, because I think that's kind of where we pick up where he's kind of, you know, you remember seeing the pill bottles and the pills thrown about his trailer when he um, wakes up there in the premiere and goes to the to the um, police station. That's kind of where we pick up with Hopper. And then throughout the seasons as he, you know, uh, gets to be more involved with Joyce, not on a romantic level, but kind of reconnecting throughout the, I mean, I think that's where they were going yeah. in season three. But, you know, at least to start, you know, kind of rekindling that friendship. You know, they, they've known each other a long time, kind of reconnecting through everything that was happening. You could kind of see him kind of coming back a little bit. He looked a little bit brighter, a little bit chipper. You know, he didn't seem to have that dark cloud over him. And then, of course, with Eleven, you know, he kind of adopted Eleven. And, you know, you could just kind of see this other side of him and to see everything that he's overcome and to hear him even say that, you know, oh, well, I like to think that they needed me, but I really needed them. I'm like, oh, man, you know, and then, yeah, seeing back in this dark place again just broke my damn heart. So, but I, Mm -hmm. like you, I know I mentioned it last week. I'm I'm ready for this storyline to at least the, the Russia part to be wrapped up. I'm ready for it to move on. I feel like we've got so much, I mean, we're in episode five and we only have a couple more to go um, for, I guess, to at least to the end of the season. Let's get Hopper the hell out of Russia and get him involved in the rest of the storyline. We've got to get him caught up on some things. So I'm ready for this to wrap up as well. I mean, I'm, I I like all the different storylines, but I'm ready for this part. I want Hopper in the story. I just want him out of Russia. I want this to be done. Um, You were right. Hopper was was my point as well. Um, Why don't you go ahead and jump into, are we, was that your number two? Are we at number one? Yeah. Okay. Let's talk number one. We are. We made it already. Man. And again, I always feel like I'm going to keep No, I don't care. I don't care. I 
But we have great That's conversation. It's all yeah. conversation. I don't Maybe care. we just got to let you go first sometimes so you can you can be the one running it next time. It's fine. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, because um, again, because my, my last point, that number one is a pretty big one, just kind of like took a big story arc through the episode and really wanted to break it down, um, which is just kind of everybody else, the, the gang, the Hawkins gang, mm-hmm. um, and them investigating the Creel house mainly, but, but, but where, what they're doing, I mean, we see this Hawkins group here, they're using the Wheeler house as a uh, base. Karen's cool with it. Fucking Ted's being, well, Ted, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Ted is back. Yeah. Dustin chooses to ignore his sarcasm and help himself to all the pancakes and bacon. He's uh, so freaking adorable. <laughs> God, I love Dustin. Yeah. yeah, we see Nancy terrified that something happened to Max because they've been keeping a constant eye on her, but she just went upstairs to go color with Holly, right? Um, we see Max has been using this Kate Bush song playing on a loop kind of as a barrier. And she's up there and she's she's going all will on some paper and crayons. Uh, and, and drawing the things that she saw while she was under Vecna's curse. And luckily it's all done at the same angle for Nancy to put them all together and recognize what it was. Uh, pieces, <laughs> little man. nitpick, but I'll allow it. Um, yeah. And then Nancy goes all Bob and recognizes what they are, uh, <laughs> and puts them together. So that was, that was cool. She realizes it's Victor Creel's house. So, and then even Max says something I mentioned last week where she felt like, you know, she got the vibe that I wasn't supposed to see that. You, yeah, you're uh, right. <laughs> so, you know, it's a clue towards Vecna. So they decide to go after that and they go to that condemned Creel house to see if they can find any clues. All the electricity is obviously off, which ends up being very helpful later. Uh, <laughs> and man, Dustin and Steve together as a duo in <laughs> these scenes. Just MVPs of the week. I like. I have quotes. I, I, there's so many like full conversation quotes that I have in my notes this week. Uh, a lot of it is Dustin yes. and Steve. Yeah. Uh, so here's just some of their uh, interactions. Is Dustin he clicks on the flashlight? Where'd everyone get those? Do you need to be told everything? You're not a child. Uh, <laughs> Crack me up. And then later when Steve goes, "Why is this wizard obsessed with clocks? Maybe he's like a clockmaker or something." And Dustin looks at him and goes. I think you cracked the case, Steve. Um, <laughs> just <laughs> amazing. Um, <laughs> cracked me up so good. And then one of the smallest, like, insignificant conversations, but it, like, made me laugh so hard, is when they be- pair off into duos to go explore the house. And, of course, it's Steve and Dustin. And Steve just... <sighs> and he goes, was that a sigh? No, I did not sigh. Why did you sigh? I didn't sigh. Just, come on, dude. I heard you. We- we're just always partners, okay? What, you have a problem with that? It'd be just nice to, I don't know, mix it up a bit. So I'm boring you. Is that it? No, the opposite. Uh, <laughs> and, that, and then it, it cut off after that. Uh, <laughs> but just, yeah. I love that too. I, back and forths in this episode. Dustin liked was the kid me up. and Mom uh, Steve. <laughs> yeah. Man, it, it cracked me up a lot. Uh, and then, yeah, Steve dropped the backpack on the floor after getting the flashlight which come on now eddie can't reach you guys because the walkie's just sitting there what are you doing um backpack is meant to be carried on the back why would you leave it right, laying on the floor? exactly yeah. <laughs> not a great move uh max seeing the same grandfather clock from the vecna visions in the house which leads to <laughs> steve cracking the case um 
and then you know whoever whatever Vecna ever that they're searching for clues on here uh it's not just clocks apparently it also has a thing with spiders uh black widows precisely uh no thank you extra no thank you nope no thanks not into that <laughs> really not fun and then steve and nancy have a little awkward repartee there with the spider webs and talk about robin and their friendships and i feel like it's very clear that steve still has quite a thing for nancy he's just being really awkward and then the whole botched sherlock holmes quote <laughs> that he's trying to bring back out for her and she's like <laughs> okay yeah uh sure <laughs> just uh awkward steve uh <laughs> and you know those are all great things but you know what i feel like we've kind of foreshadowed steve's death a li- little bit this season and i'm kind of worried I for hope him not i've it feels like if it happens i've quit i mean <laughs> no. i don't know steve dies we riot that's the true one uh, i just i'm so do scared don't even put that in my head i know i'm sorry i don't like even thinking it or and i certainly don't want to put it out in the universe for it to like be true or anything but i'm i'm scared for steve i feel like there's just been these little tiny hints throughout the season and I'm just I'm getting a really bad vibe about uh Steve and him making it through the end of this the season. I don't know. I don't know why. Mm. I just it's a feeling. So but yeah, anyway. Better not. Yeah. Better not. <laughs> yeah, uh then the other duo that we really get in this house that I loved a lot was Max and Lucas. Yeah. Um, their conversation was really great, uh, which Max has a good point. She says, you know, by over listening to the song, is she going to end up getting tired of it? And it won't have the same effect if Vecna goes for her again. And then Lucas is like incredibly sweet and endearing in his conversation with her about that. And again, this is another one that I just kind of wrote down quote, you know, word for word where Max says, will Kate Bush like lose her magic power or something. Lucas says, Kate Bush. Never. You're a Kate Bush fan. Uh, yeah, now I am really. Yeah mega fan she she saved your life which i thought was really sweet uh yes and then just a tiny little scene that hit me way harder emotionally on this second watch than i was prepared for uh it was just the little thing he's joking around with her on the piano and saying like oh yeah we just hit it in the right sequence and a mat you know trap door will open whoop there it is and he he cracks up and she starts laughing and he just looks at her and says i really missed that she says, I missed what? Your laugh. And for some reason, I just like tears. And I was like, oh, uh. <laughs> I know. It, there's so much there, too, because, you know, we were talking about last last week, this depression that mm-hmm. Max really seemed to kind of sink into over what happened with everything that she she had been through. So and, and then being disconnected from the rest of the rest of the friends, right? Like they all weren't as close and in a circle. And so she kind of lost a little bit of her support group, I think there. And so I'm, I'm guessing she has not laughed in some time based on what Lucas said. Yeah. And it's so clear how he st- like still feels about her, you know, that he, I think yeah. he definitely still has deep feelings for her. I'm not sure why they broke up. It probably had something to do with, you know, Max and whatever she was feeling after what what they had went through in season three um but i mean if 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 you needed to know how 
or was wondering how M- Lucas felt about Max, it said it all right there when he said, "I, you know, I Absolutely. really miss that. I, you know, I miss hearing your laugh. I mean, that's what a girl wants to hear. You know, there's so many ways that you can mm-hmm. tell a girl how you care about her, but like that, that's one one big thing that you can. I mean, obviously, you don't want to be in the same state Max was in, but you know what? When when someone tells you that they like your laugh or they like to hear you laugh, that's that's a pretty big indicator and. I think those two are so sweet and have the greatest chemistry as a couple. I hope they They find a way to reconnect a little bit after all this. Mm -hmm. So sweet. Yeah. Both. Yeah. Sadie Sink and Caleb McLaughlin have been killing Mm -hmm. this season. So good, man. uh, Yeah. Of course, then Max and Lucas together are the ones that notice the lights with no power uh, flickering and moving around the room. And that's, they make that kind of connection. And Nancy does too. And they talk with her. It's exactly like, the Christmas lights. Cause even before Nancy says it later on, I remember the first time when I watched it and like the lights were moving around the room. I was like, it's the Christmas lights. Like I was so in, I was like, yeah, <laughs> upside down. I know exactly what's going on. Yes. Connecting. You know, cause Joyce was tracking and communicating with will that way where somebody that is in the upside down in the same location is here inactive. And well, you know, somebody's here while well, they're there, they're, they're here, here, there, you get it. You know what's going on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, Vecna is active on the other side, uh, and he's using quite a lot of power. Uh, the kids are tracking his movement, and I, you know, they're wondering, can he hear us? Can he see us? And I, I think the answer is no at that point because he's very focused on his task at hand, on you know, zeroing in on Patrick and mm-hmm. what he's planning on doing there. And then I do love that effect when they have the kids all standing around in the attic and they got yes. the flashlights up. And then the camera, it pans and it flips everything upside down. And then you see Vecna plugged in. I love that. Um, I love that. It was really cool. He's plugged in the Matrix. Yeah. I love that effect Uh, too. I I get such a kick out of those type of effects. So yeah, that was fun. Yeah. So it was was really cool. A lot of great sequences. So again, like there's a lot of good creepy stuff sequences, but I think, which I said the first watch, I was like still on that emotional high from episode four because we had just talked about it. Right. And then I went and watched the episode right away. So I still had episode four very on my mind and so it was, it was hard to follow and i was like okay this is a breather episode but then you know a few days later coming back and re-watching it taking notes and really diving into it i think a lot of the emotional stuff uh hit me a lot harder this time and really you know impacted me and i, I was able to pick up on a lot more of the nuances of this episode and appreciate it a lot more i agree i think it was the same for me because there was a lot to it there was a lot of emotion a different kind of than than what we experienced in the previous one, but I'm there with you. Yeah. Well, my last uh, main point it's it's a really small one, but I feel like not enough still uh, enough attention is being uh, paid to my boy Will. Um, you know, they had he and Mike had a really nice scene after the freak out and the burying of the body. Um. Yeah. And I I liked that little scene where they're sitting on the roof of a car and will says sometimes i think it's just scary to open up like that to say how you really feel especially to people you care about the most because what if what if they don't like the truth i'm convinced will must i tracked that for sure too yeah Yeah. (laughs) i if they go a different way or whatever then i would honestly be surprised i feel like in this conversation he's kind of talking about like coming out i feel like he's dropping some hints there and 
I don't know. I thought it was a, a big moment for, for Will. I'm still freaking out about the frigging painting we haven't seen yet. You know, right. and what what it means might mean nothing. Are we finally going to get to see it? Is Mike finally going to get to see it? Is there something that's going to happen to Will? You know, I we talked about the like parallels, you know, between like with with Will and his trauma, and could he be susceptible to like Vecna too? Um, you know, I don't know. I, I I just worry all around about pretty much everyone and and what might happen. But anyway, it's it's a really small point. But I just feel like again, Will's not getting enough. He's getting completely neglected in the series right now. Like the when he sings his little, you know, never ending story song, you know, from <laughs> that that we that Susie and uh, Dustin sang. You know, that was like a highlight for him in this episode, and that's kind of sad in a way. I mean, it was super sweet and it was cute, yeah. but it's kind of sad that that had to be the highlight for Will in this episode. Uh, yeah. I don't know if they have something big coming for him or not, but I just feel like he's getting just forgotten about. And I'm kind of right. sad about it. Which I guess it's good for him to like not have so much stressful things happening to him after everything the first two seasons put him through. But <laughs> it is true. I mean, he definitely has. I mean, I, I'm certainly not <laughs> wishing for him to be going through any additional trauma. I just feel like he's not getting a lot, a lot of moments to really shine. He's kind of, yeah. In the background, I feel the third yeah. wheel, you know, he's <laughs> the mm-hmm. third wheel, my poor will. So anyway, yeah. I just I thought that that was an important moment. And I wanted to call it out because I, I think it's probably going to come up. And I, again, I think that they're, they're still dropping those hints. And it feels like it's beyond dropping hints at this point, because um, it, it felt very much like a almost like a coming out moment to Mike. Yeah. So. I don't know. Anyway, do you have any notes? Yeah, I've got a few. Uh, let's see. Uh, just noticing again at the beginning of the episode, the military full force hunting down Eleven. Uh, the the what is it, Lieutenant General? <laughs> something. Uh, I think it's a Lieutenant Colonel, but you know, not that important. Lieutenant Colonel, yeah. something. I don't know rank. Whatever. I, I, I don't. Uh, <laughs> it's not He's an asshole. That's all we really need to know. Right. Yeah. That guy. Yeah. Because yeah, he he knows he sees the note in Mike's or in Will's trash can that Mike threw there, and uh, so he knows that Eleven was there at the buyers, and he's questioning this other agent that was left behind, which I guess was still alive. Um, but for how long we don't know. I was like, don't give her up, guy. Just. Be other uh, unknown hero agent guy. Like, just, yeah. right. Because, um, yeah, those those people are scary. And then, yeah, you mentioned then Owen's people on the other side are at the trailer inspecting that spot left from the attack on Chrissy. And I guess they have these, like, almost like radioactive, like, <laughs> you know, detectors uh, where I guess they can figure out, oh, this is connected to the Upside Down and they have to get Wayne out of there. So that's interesting to see what connections they make. Yeah, he looked over and at then, that point, Eddie's uncle. He's just yes, like, whatever. whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then the last notes I have is kind of like a little separate uh, extra bonus point. Um, which is, yeah, Joyce and Murray, because I always love talking about them. Uh, again, a lot of just things written down, uh, quotes and stuff. But yeah, Yuri's got them both loaded up in the plane. He's going to deliver them to Russia. 
going to make a lot of money off of them, more than the ridiculous uh, markup profit he's been making off the peanut butter. Uh, <laughs> which it made me look up. I had to Google, was peanut butter actually banned in Russia in the 80s? Uh, because he says, you know, it was banned in the motherland, so I buy it for a dollar or something here and then sell it for 20 bucks. And so I had to look at it. Uh, it was not banned. However, America at that time was the largest producer of peanut butter, and this is Cold War era, and Russia is not going to buy peanut butter from the States. So it was practically impossible to find in Russia because they weren't buying any American peanut butter. Nobody else was selling. <laughs> Nobody was producing enough peanut butter. So it was almost impossible to find. So maybe banned is a little bit of an exaggeration. And with Yuri, exaggeration seems like his thing. So I won't say it's like a, a fact they messed up on the show. It's probably just Yuri exaggerating because that seems like something he would do. Right. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And then, of course, the uh, karate. With karate, I'll kick your ass. Right? Uh, just so freaking all of, good. <laughs> love it so much. Yeah, Joyce is realizing that Yuri can't hear them. So she has, you know, knocks over the peanut butter, smashes the jars, has this plan to escape, cut the bindings, and then you, you take out Yuri. Well, I can't take him out. Well, you just get the gun and, and make him turn us around. And I love their conversation. Again, another one that I had to just like quote out because i thought it was hilarious is, is black not the highest color yes it's just just what <laughs> i've never fought in a real world real, real world scenario okay i've only sparred with the other students and the way she looks at him goes how old like she knows it's like a student uh, and he goes it doesn't go younger than 13 13 but jeremiah is 16 almost his birthday's next month and and jeremiah is a ferocious fighter lightning fast very skilled and i beat him that one time. And certainly Yuri is not trained or skilled like Jeremiah. So yes, yes, you're right. I can defeat Yuri. Absolutely. Thank you for talking it through. I feel much better now. <laughs> I love Which, how man. <laughs> in the first part of that conversation, Joyce is talking yeah. Murray into it because he's not convinced. Right. But then by the end of it, Murray, through him talking it out, has completely talked uh, Joyce out of the plan. <laughs> Like right. it, it flip flops. But he's there. so in it now. He's like, <laughs> if I can take Jeremiah, I can take Yuri. Uh, so funny. I love how he kept and, repeating and then you're, everything to her. Like, take him out. Right. Like every time she says that, I mean, he just kept repeating it. Like, <laughs> do you, I'm, I'm repeating this back to you so you can hear how absurd this idea <laughs> Are is. You and sure, that's what you wanted to you say. Have not planned <laughs> this out. I, I love it. I think he's hilarious. Yeah, so good. And then when Yuri catches uh, Joyce trying to escape. Uh, and then he's threatening Joyce and Murray gets himself free and, and lays the smack down upon him. Right. Uh, just, you know, they're fighting. Murray's actually, yeah, quite skilled. It was a great fight. Uh, Murray was definitely doing some great hip tosses and, he was and in some the strikes zone. in there. I was like, all right, all right. Yeah. Uh, then leave it to Joyce to shoot a hole through the windshield. And then Murray knocks Yuri out anyway. And they somehow managed to pull off a, a survivable crash landing out in the middle of somewhere but uh, that's kind of where we leave them but i i didn't you know my fingers are like arrows my arms like iron my feet like spears <laughs> i need him so good <laughs> i need him on cobra kai immediately right <laughs> immediately i'll not settle for less i i love <laughs> All of that. They good thing that they were still making GIF in glass jars. They're now plastic. Yeah, I am again old mm -hmm. enough to remember GIF in 
glass jars. They should still actually be made of glass, to be honest. I realize it may not be um, as as monetarily incent- incentive for the uh, manufacturer, but plastic plastic is bad (laughs) trying to veer away from plastic but anyway i remember when when it so lucky for them that it was class at the time for sure um gosh all of that was just great i freaking love love murray Mm -hmm. need more of him yes (laughs) anything else that's it that's all i got okay i have a couple because we've talked about a lot of my notes but did want to call out one interesting piece of information freddy krueger exists in this universe that's right. Dustin yeah. mentioned that. So we kept talking about mm-hmm. the Nightmare on Elm Street vibes, you know, Freddy Krueger vibes, uh, that connection with him and Vecna, or like the, the the similarities, I should say, not the connection. And then, of course, Robert Englund, you know, the amazing Robert Englund yeah. uh, playing Victor Creel. So interesting to hear Dustin lay down that piece of information. Um, I, I love that. Dustin, I love him. He's always got the best theories, and honestly, most of the time they end up being right. You know, he he came up with the yeah. whole theory about Max with Beckner in the dream state and that Max could have crossed over into his mind space, explained why he was kind of surprised that Max was there. Dustin, he's he's my guy. But yeah, he laid down that piece of information. I thought, OK, so they know who Freddy Krueger is. Um, they're putting that together. Um <laughs> All of us over the age of 30 yelling um, when Robin was throwing the brick at Victor Krill's house, like, <laughs> no, not the original stained glass window. <laughs> that shows my old ass. Uh, I was crying when Robin threw <laughs> the glass or threw the brick through that glass window. Oh, my God. I That was terrible. She found the key. <sighs> couldn't have find, found like a, a side window. Did it have to be the original stained glass? That's all I'm saying. I talked about War Games, another one of my favorite 80s movies. God, I used to watch that on HBO all the time as a kid. Love that freaking movie. Another tie-in with the music. So Max is, when they wake up in the morning, she's at the table uh, coloring, and she's still listening to her music. Like They keep just plugging away at that music so she doesn't get swept away again. Uh, in season one, Will sang to himself in the Upside Down all the time. He was saying he was singing "Should I Stay or mm-hmm. Should I Go." Um, that was yeah. the song that he like a special song that he had um, with his brother, with Jonathan, and he sang that all the time while he was in Upside Down. So, and it's a nice little tie-in to kind of kind of maybe keep you in a good headspace, maybe to help keep the evil away. I don't know. It's just interesting. I think a little tie-in. I think, sorry, I was just going through the rest of my notes. I think that was it. We talked about the years uh, from when the Creels bought the house and Eleven's flashbacks. I think that's it. I think that's all my notes. Um, I think that was a good good wrap-up there. It, I'm definitely excited for the next one. It's going to be um, what I'll be doing right after. So, Yeah, same here. <laughs> gotta Always got to check right back in on it. Okay, so as I mentioned, no news. Um, Again, maybe there at the end we'll have some, but we're definitely not going to have any this episode. So with that being said, we got a lot, and I'm so grateful, a lot of listener feedback. So I think we should get started because we have a lot to get through. So do you want to take the first one? All right, yeah. 
All right. To the, the first one is from Penny Linux. Says, based on Rima's wreck, I downloaded Miley Cyrus's The Climb. I also made a playlist on my iPhone called Vecna's Curse. So if I get pulled into a trance, my friends can just play that. It includes Aretha's Natural Woman, Mark Cohn's Walking in Memphis, and I Want to Break Free by Queen. For me, the music that compels me the most is music I can't help singing along to. I love that. We talked nice. uh, last week, and I still want to hear from everyone just because we've we've covered that episode doesn't mean I wouldn't still love to hear from everyone. We had a couple of folks like Penny that wrote in and let us know what their song would be. Um, we know it was yeah. uh, a Kate Bush song for Max. What would your song be if we need to rescue you from Vecna? <laughs> let us know. Thanks, Penny. Don Elizabeth says, I had a hard time with this episode being so dark. I know this season has been grim, but this one finally got to me. I didn't expect that Owens was working with Brenner. To see Elle captured again with a shaved head in the cell was so upsetting. I had a suspicion that she was hallucinating that scene with the kids before it became evident. I thought that the orderly was creepy, and I wonder if he will have a bigger role later on. And to go over and over and over. I kept thinking she should just go with it instead of fighting in order to wake up. The scenes with Hopper were so upsetting. I keep thinking that the amount of torture that he and Elle are going through better be balanced by a higher amount of retaliation. I did like hearing about Hopper's past, but in keeping with the theme here was dark and troubling. Joyce and Murray, Eddie, everyone is in trouble. The plane crash had me on the edge of my seat. On the good side, I loved Murray's karate fighting. I thought he would go down immediately. I loved the scenes inside Victor Krill's mansion. When that spider got on Steve, or was it Jonathan? I actually screamed out loud. I thought it was very touching that we now know that Will is in love with Mike, and I thought Will actually looked older and more mature in their talk about how hard it is to tell someone how you feel because you don't know how they will respond. Bet the ending when Elle chose to go with Brenner rather than leaving was so upsetting. Brenner comes across as caring, but he really isn't. Those kids are just tools to him, and I hope Elle finally realizes it. I think Elle's got, this is just me, thanks, Don. Um, I think Elle has a little bit of Stockholm Syndrome or something when it comes to Brenner. I don't know. Yeah, maybe just a little. That, and maybe she is realizing that this is how she helps her friends. She knows that this is the way to help her friends. She has to get her powers back. Um, But it is hard. So, and Brenner doesn't care when he grabbed that napkin at the end, he wiped his nose. Cause you know, she blooded his nose when she hit him there at the end, he wiped his nose. He didn't give that to her to wipe her nose. That tells you that he just like views her as like you said, Donna tool. Um, That was hard. I don't know. Hopefully it pays off. Yeah, hope so. All right, the next bit comes from Lindsay Schlick. Always good to hear from you. Says, it's disappointing that Owens is working with Dr. Brenner, although ultimately it seems maybe this is what Eleven needed to get her powers back. I wish I'd had time for a rewatch of season one. I remember Dr. Brenner being a bad guy, but not why. Is he redeemable or should we be super worried? Nancy and Max using the drawings to put together the picture of the house was incredibly far-fetched, but I don't even care because it was so cool. One of the best parts of the show is how badass and smart the girls get to be, oftentimes even more than the boys. Yay! As usual, everything with Joyce and Murray was TV gold. Those two can do no wrong at this point. Let's just hope the plane crash doesn't end up with them eating each other in the forest. <laughs> <laughs> was it just me, or was the Eleven stuff kind of boring? I know it was. I know it was necessary to the story, but it seemed just so repetitive and to drag on. I love the lights and the tie back to season one and the Christmas lights. The continuity of the storytelling on the show is another one of its strong points. Everything always ends up making sense. And I have faith in the writers making it all come together in the end. 
Interesting scene with Eddie and the jocks. Will they now believe Eddie is innocent? Join our gang to fight Vecna? The show has a history of turning douches into awesome characters, Steve, Eddie, etc. So could this be what happens with Jason now too? Hmm. Hmm. I, I think. I don't you, know. I don't have as much faith for Jason. <laughs> I like your positive outlook there, Lindsay, and thank you for writing in. But I don't know. Yeah. They're going to have a long way to go, at least for me personally, with Jason. Um, I mean, I don't know. I think they did a really great job with Steve. You know, everyone. Yeah. Well, sorry, I won't say everyone, but I know some of us were really kind of down on Steve in season one, and look where he is now. He's up an absolute beloved character. So. I don't know. It's not out of the yep. realm of possibilities. These writers certainly do know how to, um, you know, bring about a character arc. Thanks, Lindsay. Jeff Allen says, uh, Rima, Wish You Were Here was my song choice, possibly my favorite song of all time, and it fits so perfectly. Also, Pineapple on Pizza is amazing. Amen. Thank, here, thank here. you, Jeff, for writing <laughs> in and letting us know your song. <laughs> That's great. Want to hear from more folks? Feel free to write in and let us know what your song or songs uh, would be um, if any yeah. of us needed to rescue you from Vecna and, and get you snapped back to uh, reality. Yeah. All right. This next one is an email. It came from Sherry. She says, I'm worried about the letters Max wrote. They were to be read if she died. So besides Billy's, we didn't get to see what they said. And a lot of time was spent showing her writing them, giving them to the boys and leaving them in the trailer. Even though Max survived this episode, I keep thinking they're going to come back into play before the season is over. And that worries me a lot. Also, I wondered why there weren't any for Nancy or Robin, which I didn't even realize until my second watch of the episode. Hmm. Hmm. I know. I'm, I'm kind of worried, too. I feel like we saw them and then nothing happened. So I don't know. I kind of worry, too. Yeah. Thanks, Sherry. Uh, next one we have is from Xander. He says, Hi, Reem and Paik. I hope this email finds you well. I'm a new listener and have really been enjoying your discussions on this new season of Stranger Things. I was listening to your episode four podcast today and had to pause and write this email after your discussion about Will and him possibly being a target for Vecna because of his sexuality. I was always skeptical of Stranger Things taking on Will's sexuality, especially since this show is set in the 80s during the AIDS epidemic in the States, which I don't think the writers of the show could ignore if they did have a gay male character. My hope is that Will isn't targeted by Vecna because of shame around his sexuality because, number one, Will just needs one win in the show. He just can't catch a break ever. And number two, if he is targeted by Vecna because of his sexuality and is killed, I think the show would be falling into the barrier gaze trope, which would just suck as a viewer uh, who identified a lot uh, with Will over the season. Also, I'm curious to see who the show will pair Will up with if he ever talks about his sexuality or is ever confirmed to be gay. I think having a genuine brother moment between Will and Jonathan would be nice since the season they have been distant from each other. But I have a feeling the conversation, if it does happen, will be between Mike and Will, which I have many feelings about, but I've been writing for too long already. I would love to know your thoughts or opinions on this and look forward to your next episode. Best, Xander. Awesome. Thanks for listening and, and writing in and giving us yes, those thoughts. thank you. Um, I mean, and I'm, I may not have been very clear because, look, I have a really, like, everything makes sense in my brain, but getting it from my brain out of my mouth is always a real challenge for me. And so I am not always very clear <laughs> and art, I'm not very articulate. So my apologies. I don't, if, if I said that, that's not quite what I meant. I don't think it would be because of Will's sexuality necessarily that makes him a target. I think it's because 
because it was the 80s and it was not such a friendly and it's never it's never easy. I'm not going to make it sound like it's easy today than what it was in the 80s, but at least today it's you're 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 you should there's I think a more supportive environment than there was in the 80s to come out. And I think that in the 80s there was probably a lot more guilt put on people that were gay. I don't think yeah. the person should feel guilty. I think that is projected on a person of a, of a different sexual orientation. And so I think that if he is feeling anything like that, because it is not a welcome environment in the eighties for any, anyone to be gay. I mean, we've seen what, how hard Steve de- goes to keep um, Robin's, you know, like he 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 he, yeah. he kept it from. I think he he almost. He, I don't think he let it almost let it slip. But you could see how hard he was keeping it from Nancy, right, and from others. You know, as to why yeah. like they're not a couple, and he's doing the right thing. He's not outing her. It's not his his job to out her. Um, it, it's not a friendly time. Right. So I don't think that it's necessarily because of his sexuality. I just think it's because of the environment and the the culture of the eighties that did not make it a friendly. Uh, culture at the time for for anyone to be able to come out and they society put the shame on it not yeah people who were or are gay is what i meant i don't know if i explained myself any better but that's kind of what i (laughs) meant hopefully that comes across right um but anyway thank you so much sandra for writing in i appreciate that um keep writing in we want to hear from you yeah, for sure. Uh, this next one comes from Elizabeth. It says, hi, Rima and Paik. Thank you for the super awesome episode. It's great to hear I'm not the only emotional wreck at the end of Dear Billy. Here are my Vecna songs. If he gets me, I'm probably a goner. LOL. A Love Supreme by John Coltrane. Symphony Fantastique by Hector Berlioz. One by Metallica and Alive by Pearl Jam. Still tubular in California? Elizabeth. Awesome. <laughs> Some good choices, at least like three of those. And I don't know the uh, Symphony Fantastique, I don't think, but... The other ones are definitely good ones. <laughs> Gonna have to look them up. I, I love that. I think it gives everyone some ideas sharing a little bit, yeah. you know, what would what would snap us yeah. out of, of it and bring us back. I think that's great. Thanks, Elizabeth. Okay, so this next one, um, this one was for you, Paik. So this is from Steve. Yeah. So he writes in and says, Paik, I loved the podcast before, but finding out you're a 21 Pilots fan makes me love the podcast even more. If it were me and I needed a song to get out of Vecna's trance, I would pick 21 Pilots, My Blood, or Neon Gravestones. Can't choose just one. I binged the entire season the Saturday after. Very great. <laughs> are, they, are those good ones? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, for sure. Awesome. <laughs> uh, he goes on, I binged the entire season the Saturday after it came out. I have no idea how you two are able to do this week to week. Can't wait to hear your recap of episode seven. You two really do shine light on things I didn't notice during my watch. So hearing you guys compare episode four to dealing with depression and gaining back the will to live truly made me tear up all over again. And I have to agree, episode four was the single most greatest hour and a half of TV I've ever watched. Love you guys. Love the podcast. Keep up the amazing recaps. Steve from Jersey. Awesome. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Steve. Yay. That's awesome. Good to hear from a member of the clique. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm a huge 21 Pilots fan. I've got tattoos and seen them like five times and go every, yeah, like, yeah, pretty big fan. And because, like, the, yeah, there's a lot to that band that has done a lot of good for me in my life. So it's, Aww. 
those who know know for sure. Yeah, I love that. That's <laughs> nice. I love that commonality. Mm-hmm. So that's great. Thank, thanks for sharing. Awesome. All right, we hear again from Zarina here. Says, hi, Rima. By the way, I saw a lot of people were wondering on the web whether peanut butter was banned in Russia in the 80s. Thought you'd be curious to know what's up with that. That's funny because I looked this up on my own. Mm -hmm. I mentioned that. So so she said, yeah, peanut butter was not produced in Russia. I'm pretty sure it isn't even now. I believe it's imported. However, there was no direct import or export between Russia and the U.S. in the 80s, at least before the collapse of Soviet Union in 89. Only people with special connections could get their hands onto something imported back then. Also, peanuts were not a part of people's diet. Thus, peanut butter was also not, and it kind of still isn't. Honestly, nobody likes it when they try it for the first time. So I speculate that there was no peanut butter contraband, jeans and cigarettes for sure. It's a known historical fact, but no peanut butter. I was born in 89, but I tried peanut butter for the first time in the 2000s, and I hated it. It was so thick and dense, I remember. I started loving peanut butter only recently, only after I'd lived in the U.S. for quite some time. I got hooked on Haagen-Dazs peanut butter chocolate ice cream. That's all for now. Just some inside information from Zarina, who is strange indeed. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Thank you it. for confirming Zarina. She's our resident um, Russian. She's not in Russian mm-hmm. now. She's in California, but is from Russia. So she's got the scoop on the peanut butter. Yeah. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. Next email we have is from our good friend, Daphne. She says, hi, Rima and Paik. This episode was a little down on the intensity meter, but still so good. I have to think that Elle will have big plans for Dr. Brenner after all of this. I'm still wondering what Elle had to do with the mass casualties at the lab, because I don't think it was her. Just my opinion. Murray, who knew he was a black belt? This made for an incredible, most amazingly choreographed scene that was everything I needed to bring a little joy in this episode. Hashtag Murray gets his moment. Patrick's clock literally ran out. In front of Jason. So I hope he'll finally realize Eddie isn't responsible for any of it. As a whole, the season has been spectacular and we're only halfway through. I'm hoping that when season four is finished, they also set up the trip for season five so that they can stick the landing better than Murray and Joyce. Yes, I went there. Daphne. (laughs) (laughs) That's so great. Thank you, Daphne. Thank you, everyone. She's been podcasting with me long enough to where she's learning the art of the... The, the pun and the joke. <laughs> she's, she's getting there. <laughs> she's got it. She's got it now. I know, because at first she just like rolls her eyes every time I drop puns and things on podcasts. And now she's doing it on her own. It's, I've worn saying, it all. It's, it's rubbed, rubbed off, off on her. On her. <laughs> you and Jerry both. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Thank you, everyone that wrote in. We did get a couple of voice messages as well. So, first one we have is from our dear friend, Anwen. Let's see what she had to say about this week's episode. Hey there. I wanted to call in last week, but by the time I was over the trauma of watching the episode, it was a little bit too late for feedback. Uh, It was just amazing. and I was on the edge of my seat. This one was similar, but um, just kept jumping between all the different stories and all of them were so amazing and really wanted to get stuck into each one and then it would switch to another one. So the tension was incredible. The kids running through the house in the dark was so terrifying and that when they kept going further into the attic and then splitting up, I just thought, oh my God, I loved Murray on the plane. My fingers are like arrows. He was just wild. And then of course at the end you've got poor old Eddie trying to escape from Jason and his crew. And um, you notice there's another bad-ish guy called Carver in this. And I um, have really noticed a lot of bad guys called Carver recently. And 
Um, being a carver myself, I take great offence at this. I thought I'd better look up and see what I could find. Just at the touch of a of a quick search, I found several of them. There's Brooke Carver from Castle. There's Rick Carver from 99 Homes. Rosie Carver from Live and Let Die. Joseph Carver from The Flash. Brandon Carver from The Walking Dead. Remember that guy? And there was William Carver in the Telltale Games Walking Dead. Andrew Carver from Showgirls. And Elliot Carver from Tomorrow Never Dies bad guys what the heck some of us aren't that bad anyway excited to hear what you guys think of this episode and can't wait to see what happens only a couple more to go bye oh she's so great (laughs) that was that's awesome yeah i i just gotta give it to the 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 visual of the name i guess it's like carver butcher I don't think anybody actually has the surname Stabber, but I bet if they did, they would. You assume they would be a bad guy. I don't know. <laughs> well, we know that's not true about you, Anwen. You're one of the good guys. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much for your voice message. Look forward to hearing uh, more from you next week. Okay, uh, last voice message we have is from our good friend Steve. Let's see what he had to say. Hello, Stranger Steve. This is Steve, and this is for uh, Stranger Stranger. Wait, Stranger Things, the Nina Project. Oh, we pick up right where we left off in the van with the bleeding agent. <laughs> this secret lab location looks like the set for spies like us uh, without the drive-in movie theater. Oh, I guess in stairs instead of an elevator. So I guess it's nothing like spies like us. No, Rob Lowe's character is alive. Dang. Oh, that was just the cold open. I'm 30 seconds in. Oh, I'm, I'll try not to go over. <laughs> F and Ted, you could be at a different house for a change. Wait, okay, so this is this is Argyle and Steve and the buyers, or Mike and Steve and the buyers. Who are they burying the agent because he died? Whoa, where did this come from, Murray? The plane crashed, and now we're back at Hawkins. Okay, I'm. Where are they now? Okay, now we're back at the facility, and I, I'm more confused than I started this when I started this episode. Okay. What just happened? I may have to watch this episode again, but I'm going to then send it because I know you're going to watch the episode twice and you're going to podcast on it and you're going to know more than I do. Thanks. Well, thank you, Steve. I, I hope I hope we help you when you listen. Yeah, I feel I feel the pressure. But, uh, not to give you a hard time. You love you. <laughs> that might be the first time I've heard Matthew Modine and Rob Lowe confused. Yeah, so. I think he meant Matthew Modine. <laughs> But that's okay. You know. <laughs> now I'm just trying to picture Rob Lowe playing the character of Brenner, and that would have been a very different take been on a very, it, I think. Very much different <laughs> take. That's okay. You know, it's it's so easy to get some of these 80s characters and actors, sorry, actors, uh, kind of confused. I do it all the time. Thank you, everyone, so much that wrote in, provided a voicemail. Uh, I love seeing all of the feedback that I get every week to add to our agenda and get to read here on the podcast. Thank you so much. Uh, Keep it coming. We have more to go. All right. Well, we are excited for you to follow us to Hawkins, Indiana, but until then you can follow us on Twitter at strange TCast. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash stranger TCast. You can email us at stranger things cast pod at gmail.com. And you can also find us on the TV time app. 
You can find Strange Indeed and a bunch of other great podcasts at podcastica.com. Go out and leave a review for Strange Indeed on Apple Podcasts. Yeah, a lot of great stuff happening on Podcastica. Be sure to check out. There's so much content and there's a lot more coming. Uh, So check out the website. Uh, You'll find a podcast for so many things, uh, so many shows, something for everyone. Mm -hmm. If you like them light, if you like them dark, got it all. Um, And speaking of great podcasts, make sure to check out Paik and Daphne um, and their podcast uh, called Run For Your Lives. Got any special teasers this week? Yeah, uh, I mentioned it last week. So we are doing this double dip a little bit. So we did the first part last week. So this week will be part two of that double dip where we're doing two different versions, two different, you know, uh, makes of a movie. So we did the Swedish vampire film, Let the Right One In, last week. Nice. So this week we are breaking down, talking about, and then doing a little compare and contrasting between the two with the 2010 uh, Matt Reeves American version, Let Me In. Nice. Start uh, Chloe Grace Moretz, Cody Smith McPhee, uh, when they were a lot younger. Uh, so yeah, it was really. So it's 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 a really fun one. So yeah, it's it's a good one to check out. And then yeah, talk about kind of the differences between the two versions of the movie, and then break this one down as well. Let's so check that out. Nice, good choice. Well, next for us is um, Stranger Things season four, episode six, called Chapter Six. The dive. Whew. Not we know there's <laughs> very clear. She's not gonna drown. She's gonna swim. So now she's got to dive and go real deep. I don't know. Yeah, is it a deep <laughs> That's dive? what I take from it. Knowing yeah. nothing. Deep dive uh, into the memories. Whew. I don't know. Figure out what the hell you know. What's what's blo- it looked like? She was getting close. Right. This episode looks like she was like right mm-hmm. there. Right there. About to figure it out. Maybe uh, we can get so. those those answers that we were really wondering about. I hope so. I hope so. We got to keep it moving. Um, yeah, because there's six and then there's seven, which, again, not a big break for us. I know it's a break for everyone else until um, a couple weeks for the first when the remaining two. I don't know. I kept hearing people were getting kind of frustrated uh, about the break. And I read what the Duffer brothers were claiming, whether or not this is true, because, look, they can put out whatever they want to. And how would we ever know one way or another? But they said the reason for the break was because they hadn't finished the last two. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, they're massive, right? These last few mm-hmm. are going to be pretty massive in length. So think of the work, the editing, the CGI, I don't know, all that stuff that comes in post-production. But anyway, that's what they're saying. So anyway, that's why apparently y'all had to wait. It won't be waiting for us. We're, we're going to roll right yeah. into well, it. Yeah, we'll be covering episode seven the week after uh, eight, com- eight, eight, nine, have yeah, dropped. eight, nine, have so. Dropped. so we're gonna roll right into it. See, this is this. See, y'all always wonder about the benefits of covering week to week. Here it is. No, mm-hmm. no break at all for us. Yeah, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm just I'm trying to sell it here. Um, anyway, that's that's what's next for us. So join us next week for that one. Well, that uh, all right. That is our show. Thanks for listening, everyone. Until next time, I'm Rima. And I'm Dave. And Melissa Edwards is strange indeed. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership. 
we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.